Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. Crew is all here as we broadcast live on Radio Road, Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles. Been a fun week so far and uh, really getting started with the, the guest lists as people arrive in L.A. midweek, getting set for the game. Uh, coming up on today's show, Marlon Humphrey scheduled to be with us in 20 minutes. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the pass rusher, uh, expected to be a top five pick by Oregon. He will be with us around 220 Central, 320 Eastern, and uh, Dr. David Chow, Armando Salguero, and much more. Our next guest to kick off the uh, second hour of today's show is Jake Plummer. Snake is in the house with us here in L.A. Uh, good to see you, man. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Doing Great. well. Great. You? Doing well. Uh, you, you won't remember the connection here, but you'll, you'll remember the name. Dave McGinnis set us up with a chat once on our show, mm-hmm. and it was an epic interview. So we absolutely wanted you on. High, right on. high bar to match yourself. Coach Mack, if Coach Mack says to do something, <laughs> I'm down to do it. Man. Is there anyone better than Coach Mack? I oh, mean, I, I, I've, yet to, I've yet to meet the person. You know, though, you know, it's kind of funny. When you get to meet people like him, then sometimes more people like that just come in. So no one better, but, uh, you know, same kind of so, level. Some of people that may be the same, you're yeah, saying. Just some righteous, righteousness to him, you know. He's yeah. a great dude. Can we get this turned down just a tiny bit? Oh, sure. Yeah, we possible? can have Dylan uh, hook that up for you. And, I got uh, no problem. ears after all these years. Sorry about that. Jake um, Plummer. Yeah, but that, yeah, McGinnis. There's no one better. I mean, as far as a coach, person, yeah, good humor. So what's going on uh, today with Radio Row for Jake Plummer? Just down, uh, you know, back down here, coming to L.A. To, to hang out a little bit and have some fun, number one. But then coming to Radio Row just to help. A couple friends. Marcus Capone is a, a new friend, a buddy of mine who's been, you know, fighting for uh, helping vets, war vets, also NFL vets, to approach their mental health um, and, you know, maybe do it in like not the most conventional way that most people would think, but to explore plant medicine as an option to uh, help with some of the issues that some of these vets are facing, as we see a, a high alarming rate and number of suicides, un- untreatable depression, PTSD, anxiety. Uh, similar traits that a lot of NFL athletes go through when they retire, just assimilating back into normal life because uh, you're riding at such a high level there with such stress and, and, and so much riding on it as Radio Row sitting here and now with fantasy football and all these things going, you know, the stress levels are high. Still not the same as life or death like the war vets. That's why, you know, the war vets are really why we're here to talk about hopefully exploring research into, um, you know, traumatic brain injury and what psychedelics may bring to that as a healing medicine, not as a party at Burning Man and end up naked in, the, in a trailer <laughs> with people you don't know. I mean, that's not what we're talking here. 
that's not sacred at all. Although maybe that's what you need too. We don't know if that's what's on your recipe and your your <laughs> dose of what you need for your, to knock some rust off. Then go do that. But if you use this, use some of these medicines that are plants that have grown in the earth that have been here since before we were here to have an intent and a setting and to go in with purpose. There's been really good results coming out of that with people um, able to face some um, you know old past traumas and deal with you know life in a different lens. And so I'm here to help. You know, talk about that and also uh, talk about Umbo Mushrooms, a company that I helped fund with or helped co-found with Del Jolly and Rashad Evans, uh, two of my really good buddies and and getting into this industry like we did with CBD back in the day uh, when it was, you know, oh, CBD, I don't want to get high. I don't have any idea what this is all about. And now everybody knows what CBD is because it helps benefit the body. It helps your brain, helps your body, helps you sleep better, helps... And uh, anti-inflammatory. I mean, it has so many things that are so good for you, and it's just a plant. It's just a weed. It just grows naturally. And so uh, with mushrooms, it's a whole kingdom. So we're just scratching the surface. I'm not a mycologist or a biologist <laughs> or a chemist, but I'm learning to grow them. I have a, a growth uh, out in Fort Lupton that came across my way to, to, to start growing um, gourmet edible mushrooms that we sell to some local restaurants and then also some medicinal mushrooms that we're hoping to source to Umbo in time. And uh, give people an option. Make them think a little bit if they want to feel better. You know, check out Umbo Mushrooms. We got a really good product line that's going to be able to maybe give you a chance to sleep a little better or have a little more energy in the afternoon. And, and when, when you start accomplishing things and you start going on that little further hike, you, you start discovering new things. You know, you might walk further than you ever have and come across someone you never would have known or met before. And maybe they could be someone really special in your life. So it's all about just uh, unearthing your potential. Football-wise, do, do you stay plugged into the Cardinals or or more the Broncos? Or? Well, I live in Colorado, so it's easier to be plugged in with the Broncos because they'll have me do some appearances here and there. Um, to be real honest, uh, through the pandemic, one change that really happened for me was the TV came on, t- turned off and I stopped watching TV. Uh, time became really valuable, and especially even now as – Every day we get, every second we get a little bit older or, or closer to where, you know, w- when our end is coming. So trying to make the most out of every second of every day and just enjoy myself. TV really isn't something I found enjoyable anymore. And even watching football is, it's still fun. It can, it can be a good time, but I really have no idea uh, about how the season went. I just know the two teams that are in the Super Bowl right now, and I'm happy that both of them are here, and I hope they all uh, achieve their dreams. <laughs> you get a sense of the vibe in Denver about that team now with the, with the new coach and the hopes that a lot of people have that Aaron Rodgers mm. might end up there. Yeah, you know that little flint of hope came last year when you know I thought he was coming before the draft. But um, you know it's going to take more than just one quarterback like Aaron Graham to make an organization Super Bowl worthy. And I think they're they're close. They're always close. They do a great job. Um, but since Mr. Bolin passed and just the whole uh, the flux of that organization, wondering who's going to own it, what's going on. Uh, I think it's just caused a little bit of uncertainty. And I think that our organization, when he was on, on the head of it, they won 300 games in 30 years. That's, that's unbelievable. So he didn't, he wasn't a drill sergeant demanding anything. He just treated everybody like family. And that, that was really uh, what they still embody. Uh, they still treat everybody really well. I love the Broncos organization. I'd like to see them do well. If I had some gas left in the tank, I'd love to go play for them again, <laughs> maybe just as a holder. If they could have, like a, I'd sign a $1 million contract to hold. I'm great at it, so I'd make sure to put the hold down. But, uh, yeah, that, that's a great organization. I'm proud to see you there. Arizona Cardinals doing well, too. I really like Cliff as a coach. Uh, you know, Mike Bidwell, when I was there, was 
kind of in the scene, but not the man. Now he's running the show, and he, I think he's doing a great job, and it's fun to have known that you know I got to play there and, and have an instrumental season that helped keep that team there in the Valley. If not, they'd be the L.A. Cardinals. That 98 season really helped you know, get the boat passed for the stadium. You guys went door to door. Yeah, we were stumping, ca- campaigning before the vote. Yeah, waking people up on Saturday mornings, cameras. Like, yeah, it was <laughs> it was an uh, interesting time, you know. And little did I know what we were accomplishing, but uh, yeah. I was doing it all from the heart with a lot of great guys. And I'm going to see some of those guys while I'm down here. That's what's always kind of fun too. You just don't know who you're going to run into. I bump into Michael Irvin walking in here, and you know he he still looks like Michael Irvin, and I'm like <laughs> I look like some bum off the street, but he's still like, oh snake, you know. It's like there's that. That camaraderie, yeah. you know, amongst everyone that played in the league when you get further and further away from it, it doesn't matter what team you were on or whatever, there's just that that natural bond. So it's always fun to come down here and get recharged by some of these amazing dudes that, like I tell them, man, that you could do anything in the world. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, well, we did already. I mean, we were young, and we were one of, I was one of 32 people in the entire world that had the job I had, and I was one of the best at, at that and what I did. So if we want to set our minds to do anything else, it's it's we're capable of doing that whatever you want to get behind let's get behind it and right now i'm getting behind you know trying to give people a way to, to approach their health and wellness in a different manner than what we've been doing mm-hmm. in america which is breeding a lot of unhealthy unhappy sick depressed dying people i mean we're all going to die so let's try to be uh let's optimize the time we're here with some good medicine in our bodies have you had an ounce of sugar since your playing days oh, looking yeah. at you you have you're, are you a sugar guy? I, I, I love. What does your diet consist of right now? My diet. How, this how are you living I had right two, now? Two, or two little halves of a breakfast burrito. Okay. No meat, though. I don't like to eat meat. Yep. I don't really care for it. Uh, I'll try it every once Pun's in a while. the same way. He can, he can do it without it. Once in a while, and then I've got to pick a bunch of meat out of my teeth. And it's like there's these strings of this animal in my teeth, and it won't go away. So now I'm just more veggies. Uh, I'm not rigid on that, though. I'm not yep. like I'm a vegan and I can't eat. I won't starve myself. I like food too much to be too rigid. And sometimes I'll splurge and I'll eat a fish taco or I'll have like whatever is in front of me, a burrito with some carne asada burrito or pork green chili. But I, I try to eat really healthy, pure, organic, non-processed food. But I'll still eat a bag of chips if I want a bag of chips. I'm not rigid. So, And, you know. I don't eat crappy sugar. I don't drink soda. Yeah. But I'll have a nice dark chocolate, you know, chocolate right. bar at night or some homemade cookies me and my daughter make or whatever, man. It's Your diet should be what makes you feel good. So when I eat like that, I feel better. And so I'm just taking stock of, like, what makes me f- feel good. Yeah. I, and, and look, you're clearly in a different place in life right now than NFL player, you know, Jake Plummer totally. with your journey. Uh, do you look back fondly uh, on your NFL days, your football playing days? When you look back, you're talking about reconnecting with some of the guys. I'm just curious, your mindset when you think of yourself in that life as college football star at Arizona State, NFL star quarterback, how do you look back on those days now with where you are at this point? It's, it's interesting as I see you know, Matthew Stafford. Uh, yep. Now he's in the, in the Super Bowl. I mean, what, for years in Detroit? Yep. And how many losing seasons did they have? So for me, I had that 98 season, and then we had four years in Arizona where we were not that good. We got beat a lot, and not without, you know, my fault and some of that, but we also let a lot of really good veterans go off of that team from 98. You know, Larry Sinners, Jameer Miller, Lomas Brown. I mean, these are like almost Hall of Fame level, like stalwarts of your team. We just let them go. And so I think back when, when that happened, how I just went along with it, with the mentality of that's okay, we're going to be okay, instead of maybe being a little more like, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to come here right now. If you don't want to win, you're letting go of these players that are my heart and soul 
then I'm going to back out for a minute until you can prove to me as owners and as a team and an organization that you're going to pay me this money, you're going to put the players around me to have success. I think it maybe could have stepped up a little bit more like that. So I'm not upset with what Aaron Rodgers did last year. I mean, like, yo, the guy has only so many years to play. Let's, are we all in this to try to win this, or are we trying to, like, are we, are we not? I mean, let's, let's be real. We, we're in it to win it because it only goes by so fast. So those are the only things I think back on. But, I mean, other than that, I, I, when it comes back to me full circles, when I see my old teammates or old guys I played against and the, the, the respect they give me and, like, ah, oh, damn, I remember playing against you. And, like, you know, they don't talk about the bad plays I had, but they more remember my essence as a player, my energy, what I brought to the field, what I came to with my heart and soul to help our team win every day. You know, that's what really makes it for me is to feel that love and that respect. And that's the only reason we do this. You know, it's not I'm not counting Super Bowl trophies like <laughs> the old man that just retired. Brady, <laughs> old man, I say, because he is an old man. If he's still playing in the league. Uh, How old are you now? I'm 47. So, yeah, you're close to his age. At all. Yeah, I don't feel old at all, though. I stopped aging uh, about a year and a half ago. Just decided to Good stop job. aging. Yeah, we no. all should just stop. To, don't I'd let like it happen. Uh, so you're 49. Is that what you No, mean? no, I, I'm. You said a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm really 40. I've been on okay. earth for 47 years. <laughs> but as far as like feeling that way, yeah, you know, I don't feel that way. So you, you mentioning the Cardinals and the mindset of ownership. The Bengals have been in that same yeah. situation. You were part of that team in 98 that won the first playoff game in, what, 51 years or yeah. something, right? Cardinals are a great example of what the Bengals have just done getting to the playoffs and winning for the first time in 31 years, except now they've gone on this run and they're here. You know what they're feeling and what the city must be like. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't take it all the way to the Super Bowl, but I often joke and say, yeah, I won a Super Bowl in 98. Yeah. What, what was equivalent to as important as a Super Bowl in 98 for that organization? I mean, they were on the cusp of, like, get them out of town. Like, they were ready to move on. And that season really uh, – it just shifted that little bit of like, oh, we'd play the Cowboys and half the stadium was full of Cowboys jerseys. After 98, it was like, no, nah, there was only like maybe a, f- a fourth of the stadium now with Cowboys jerseys. The rest were starting to buy into like, hey, this is our team. They believed. Is, yeah, they started to believe in that organization a little bit. So it's good to see new teams in the Super Bowl. You know, I, I got a little tired of seeing Tom Brady in it all the time. I'll be real honest. I mean, I, mad respect for him and his game, but it just was like, can anybody beat this cat? What's going on? Has, is, he, is he really, I mean, is he the obvious greatest of all time ever in his teams? Or is this just like, what, what's going on here? This is a weird thing that, that some jinx put on the NFL <laughs> or the NFL put on so Tom could be in the Super Bowl every year. It's nice to see some young faces. Burroughs, I'm not ready to anoint him the next, you know, good-looking white Christian that's going to win 15 titles. I'd like to see him get beat in the Super Bowl. That's why I'm hoping the Rams will win so that, you know, Bradford, who had – Many years in Detroit, never got his chances. Now here, and like, let him taste, let him taste this, because he's a, he's a baller, and a guy like him would never really be talked about as one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, unless he wins a Super Bowl. When I think he's got mad talent, like his skill level is amazing. So now that he's getting a chance to do it, I think it's cool. So you, I'll be pulling for the Rams. You feel like your style would fit today's game? Yeah, there's coaches well. out there that would take my, my abilities and probably have fun with them, you know, be able to do a few little things. I, I wouldn't want to run as much as some of these guys do now. I mean, I never really wanted to get hit. Don't, don't run me to get hit, but allow <laughs> me to run when I want to to avoid getting hit. That was always my thing. But, yeah, I think the, the game's just spread out a little bit more, and they're not really 
um, they're hitting the quarterback, but not quite like Ray Lewis would from, you know, he'd be blitzing and he'd still take a couple steps and give me a good hard whack. And at 195, you know, 200 pounds, I was going flying. So I got really good at landing and rolling and absorbing. And, you know, it was, it was, I was gifted with that ability and I was able to play 10 years relatively injury free. And, uh, you know, I had some stuff I've worked through in these years, let them go, let the pain go, let the inflammation go and try to be, you know, as young a body as I have and mindset as I can have to be, you know, free and have some fun. But yeah, the game's fun to watch. It's, it's always fun when it's offensive, but I don't mind seeing a good defensive battle either. Jake Plummer has been our guest. Snake, it's good to have you back on the show, man. Yeah, we thanks appreciate for having you. me on today, you guys. And we'll tell it's Max to said hello. Thank you. Definitely, yep. please do. Awesome. Jake Just Plummer has been with us on Radio Row coming up. Uh, more guests scheduled. We'll see if uh, Marlon Humphrey swings by, plus Armando Salguero, Dr. David Chow, Kayvon Thibodeau, and much more, all coming up on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live in Los Angeles, Outkick 360 rolls on from Radio Row. Alabama fans. They're going to recognize the guy beside us here on Radio Row. Marlon Humphrey joins us on Outkick 360. Of course, now the Ravens uh, defensive back and one of the stars on that very solid defense. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Happy, uh, happy to be here, uh, here, here with the Outkick. Yeah, man. Um, so a lot of injuries this year for the Ravens. Yeah. And it ended up, I mean, they just piled up throughout the year. You were one of them. Yep. Marcus Peters went down early in the season, too. Uh, but somehow, I mean, you guys were in the thick of it towards the end of the season. Eventually, everything caught up with you, though. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think if you had to, you know, describe the season, it would be injuries and COVID there That's at, it. at that, at that, at that uh, mile marker. But, you know, we were number one in the AFC, and it was crazy. Even though with all those injuries, you would have never thought that was the case. You know, there was the, the positive energy, you know, the coaches, you know, whoever went down, we kind of just had the next step up mentality and until, you know, it just – Seemed like it really laid thick on us there, uh, probably right at the end. And, you know, of course lost, I think, six straight and yeah. uh, it basically ended our season. But, man, it was it was a crazy year with how the, the injury bug hit us and COVID. And, uh, you know, it, it's all right. You know, we'll get some guys healthy, uh, get them back, and uh, look forward to next year. Shout out to Fox Sports Muscle Shoals listening right now, too. Speaking of Bama fans, That's a lot right. of them in that area. Um, I got to give you a compliment. Uh, rarely does a number stick out to me on, an, on any athlete. But I love that you're number 44. It makes you more memorable than most players because yeah. you don't often see defensive backs wearing the number 44. Yeah. This was when Earl Thomas came, right? You had 29, yeah. you moved to 44. Yep. Um, I love it. Do, yeah. do you, do, have you heard that before from people that they like the number 44 on you at your, at your position? Um, I, I think I heard the opposite really? uh, early on. So, I mean, I had teammates like, dude, I'm telling you, this is a really bad decision. <laughs> like, you can't – if you play bad, it's like they're like – Everyone's going to look out there. Quarterback's going to say, all right, who do I want to throw it? Do I want to throw it 27 over there? Or do I want 44 every time? So <laughs> I, I got a lot of those. Um, but, I mean, uh, to, to me, uh, my dad wore 44 in the league. Yep. And, um, you know, when, when Earl came, you know, I knew he had done great things in that 29 number. And I said, I always had this dream of whether it was 
when I signed an extension or if I ended up leaving the Ravens, it was always I wanted to change my number. So I saw it was kind of Earl as a opportunity to kind of expedite that and change change my number going into my third year. And of course, forty four. Son of Bobby Humphrey, great NFL player, a great college player, also. At what point in your childhood did you say, okay, he's my dad, but also he could be a sounding board. I can ask him for advice. When you started to grow as an athlete, when did it become obviously your dad, but also dad and maybe mentor for your goals and where you wanted to end up in the NFL? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I was probably, as long as, as young as I can remember, he had been telling me stories on repeat, basically, about you know things that I didn't know but were to soon come up in my own you know future. I mean, I remember being like, 12 years old and he's like you know this story happened this or i'm like dad i'm like 12 like you know what i mean and i'm like he's just even... annoying to you at that point yeah, yeah stop and, telling me stories and, and then you know old man i i get to college i get to nfl and i'm like wait i feel like i've already lived this exact scenario and all these things just came up and so it i mean of course it was you know being able to, to mentor me but it seemed like so many things he had just told me i had already lived them i already made some of those mistakes but that they, they, they were all you know his his memories and he really helped me out a lot but so I guess you guess you can never start too too early telling uh telling telling your son you know some mistakes he, he's probably going to encounter if he if he takes his path that he wants to take. Wink Martindale seemed to do a heck of a job as defensive coordinator there. Defense always good in Baltimore. Yep. Uh, how'd you feel about his departure and and how much have you talked to Mike McDonald the, his replacement? Man, Wink was my guy. Um, he, he played in a very aggressive style that you know, I, I I like to play very aggressive too. So I I really like the style. Um, but, you know, I ha- hate to see him go. Um, you know, he-, he did really well for us. I think, you know, you, you can't. it's kind of hard to really count this past year with all the injuries and the, the guys we lost. But, man, he did a really good job for us. And as far as Mike, he was there when I was a, a rookie. So he's coming back. Um, and um, I- I've talked with him uh, on the phone with, with uh, Coach Harbaugh. And we were, I think we're really excited to have him, really excited for, for the plan. I'm really excited to. You know, see how, how he wants to use me and use the other guys and kind of what he has, you know, planned for the defense, for the guys we have there, who he kind of wants to bring in, who he wants to, you know, elevate. So it'll be really exciting to bring new juice into, you know, having kind of a, a fall-off year with the Ravens defense and see how we can get back to being, you know, that, that top five defense. Your division's always been tough. Uh, tougher this year with a team that's traditionally a bottom feeder uh, up there on the wall <laughs> going, going, to the, going to the Super yeah. Bowl. What what's it feel like going forward? Knowing you know Cleveland's gotten substantially better. Cincinnati, at the very least, is going to be defending AFC champion. Pittsburgh going through transition without Ben, and, and you guys coming back from injuries. That's a dogfight division. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. You know, when I got in the league, the Browns were zero sixteen. The the Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals weren't. I mean, they 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 beat us a couple of times, but it wasn't a game that everyone was like, "This is the game of the week." The Steelers were always there. These were the Andy Dalton Bengals <laughs> at the time, right? Yeah, when you yes. came in. Okay. Yeah, so it was. Um, it's crazy now. Now it's like every divisional game is is going to be legit, you know. Um, so I'm excited about that. You know, you'll have, you know, everybody next year will get up for the Bengals. And it'll be no game that the Bengals go into. And they're like, oh, it's just the Bengals. So it's, it's exciting to bring that juice. You know, NFL guys, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, this is an easy game. Like that's what, you know, the outside looking in. But every NFL player wants to get up for the big games. And so now that we got, you know, three teams that are, that are going to be legit, it'll make the division – that much more fun, and it'll, it'll bring out the best out of everybody. I can think of a few things more athletically difficult than the 110-meter hurdles. And you were a champion hurdler. Yeah. Um, uh, you wanted to run track initially at, at Alabama. You ended up not doing it. Did Nick Saban talk you out of it? No, I actually ran a little bit at Bama 
Um, indoor you red-shirted, right, your first year? Red-shirted my okay. first year. Uh, ran indoor, ran outdoor, but uh, the, the injury bug was, was getting me with the, with the soft tissue. And so it was so Saban told us early on, me and Tony Brown, we could do it. And we did do it, but, boy, was it hard. He, he, he helped us when out. You when you started getting hurt, was the conversation different from Nick Saban at that point uh, about, about track? I kind of just made that myself, but I think that conversation was coming. So, he, <laughs> it, uh, it, I, think, I think we were pretty much in sync uh, because, you know, of course football is my main thing. So if, if there's time when you're not on that football field, it kind of gets into like, hey, hey, or should we want to do this? So um, those, those conversations uh, – Ended up never happening, but they were definitely coming. I know that. Did you ever run against Dory in high school in these regional meets? Because he no. was from uh, Illinois, and he was always the, the track football guy yeah. as well, and your recruitment is well-known. Hoover and going to Bama, and narrowing your search, and, you know, as crazy as recruiting is. All these track guys, yep. you know, for the most part run track, and that's really their first love. Yep. Was it for you as well in high school? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I was a guy that, depending on what I was in, it was kind of – my love at the time and, and track I, I really I really love track you know I say all the time man if track was willing to pay me 18 million a year you know <laughs> I, I might uh I, I might I might see what they're talking about but um man tra- track was just it's just so much focus for one one race you know I can have a rough game and get the game winning interception and it'll be all right but in track you know your one trip your one bad start your one small minor thing from you know losing is there's so much focus on so much training, so much focus on, you know, sometimes a, a 15-second hurdle race or a 50-second 400-meter. And so that's just what I loved about it, you know, the hard work, and then it all paying off uh, on, on that given day. Did you cross paths with Jeremy Pruitt yes, in your I time did. in Alabama? And yeah. did you watch two-a-days where he said he didn't know what asparagus was, being, a, being from <laughs> Hoover? Also, I feel like that's like required viewing uh, if you play football in Hoover. Yeah, so I did, uh, I did get a chance to cross paths with Jeremy Pruitt. It was crazy, almost – Almost every coach that really, truly recruited me, I got to end up play under in college. So Jamie Pruitt was at Florida State, recruited me there. Um, and then Kirby Smart, you know, at Bama. Kirby leaves, Jamie Pruitt comes in. So it was, it was a really cool tree um, of getting to, you know, really people I built connections with and recruiting, end up getting a chance to coach me. But, no, Jamie Pruitt with the asparagus, I got I remember watching two of that. It was a good show. It, it was. It, 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 it was, was crazy good show. because I, I knew who was winning the games before, like, you know, the nation and everything. But – we will be glued to the TV like we didn't even know. So it was that that show brought a lot of heat with what MTV. And yeah, it was it was crazy. Hey, take that outkick football with you. I know you enjoyed it. It's like a stress relief. <laughs> really yeah, no, it's for you. Well, you have it out there, but you're the first person to actually grab it. So, true football player right here. You it grab would, the ball. We'll give you a bag full if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Marlon Humphrey has been our guest. Uh, great to meet you here on Radio Row, man. Best of luck to you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Marlon. Marlon Humphrey from the Baltimore Ravens uh, with us here. Um, and, Paul, the Ravens and Titans have certainly had their matchups recently. Playoffs, uh, not this yeah, year, but well, last year. I think Titans fans were relieved that the uh, somebody else knocked them out of the playoffs this year. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the – Marlon, the, you're good to go. You're right, yeah. Oh. They're, they're calling the, for over there, yeah. Oh. The, the we got someone else going. Sorry, man. The playoffs knocking him out in the playoffs, but in the regular season we saw the Titans win – both of those yeah. matchups. And, and a couple of years ago, uh, Titans won at at Baltimore, uh, knocking off a number one seed. So, Big they, thanks to Marlon Humphrey, Annie Agar, sitting down with us from NFL Network. What's up, Annie? How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Absolutely. How are things going for you on Radio Row? They're great. They're very, uh, very busy. This is my first Radio Row, so I'm kind of 
All right. adapted to uh, how it works. Who's not impressed with you as a self-made woman in terms of coming out with these very funny videos and just watching them take off? I mean, uh, uh, what's it feel like? to? Uh, what would you think when you started making these videos was the most that was going to come of it? You know, I, I, it's so crazy because I didn't, when I started making these, I did it when COVID first happened and I did mm-hmm. it as a way to, um, you know, kind of bring some comedic relief in a time where we didn't, we, nobody knew it was okay to laugh. Everybody was so, it was so dark and political and everybody just forgot that sports was a thing, you know? And I wanted to kind of bring that back because we just had gotten into, we were starting to cover the Big Ten. That's what I did at the local news station and we were getting ready for spring games and lost all that. So I just had this idea that maybe, you know, we do this video that reminds people what the rivalry in the Big Ten is like and, and it, and ties it back into these Zoom meetings we were doing every day. Uh, and I, I had no intention of it turning into this big thing. I just wanted, I just had gotten on TikTok and I wanted to connect with fans because that, that, those were my people. You know, I, I connect with fans. That's what I do. That's what I wanted to do in my industry. So it was, it, TikTok's a great way to do it. Social media is a great way to do it. And I just thought that there was a need for that and for some comedy in a, you know, darker time. So. I think the self-made part of it is really cool that you just decided it was a huge hit. You know, millions of people watched, and it grew into now your work with NFL Network and what you're doing. Um, and I think having the pulse of fan bases is a skill. Um, did you always have that, where you kind of knew, okay, this is what a Northwestern fan is like. This is what an <laughs> Illinois fan is like. Right. Not everyone has that sensibility. Right. Yeah, you know, in terms of college football, I think that came a little bit easier because I'm an Ohio State fan. I grew up in Michigan, so I knew the hatred Michigan Wait a minute. Michigan so State fans. How are you an Ohio State fan know, in Michigan? I know, I know, I uh, know. Explain. Explain yourself before you continue. I loved Evan Turner. It's like my fa- I tried to play basketball. I got my style my game after I loved the guy. For some reason, I not obviously in the NBA, but definitely in college, uh, for some reason he was, he was like my idol. So Ohio State seemed like the obvious choice. My family are all Michigan State fans. My extended family are all Michigan fans. I apparently like controversy so much that I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be the, someone that's not named in any of your wills. Um, but I, I loved it. I, it was a fun way to grow up. All my, I had a lot of guy friends that would try and question me and my sports knowledge. So it kind of pushed me to be a little bit more knowledgeable, I think. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where that started. So I know I knew the dynamic of the Big Ten when it comes to NFL teams and NFL fans. That was a little bit harder because I'm I'm very biased. I also like everybody having a favorite NFL team. And uh, I, I wanted to make jokes that not only I got and I I enjoyed, but what the fans enjoyed. So I'll sit on Twitter for hours during games and see what the fan bases are talking about on top of what, you know, the jokes that I know based on my sports knowledge. So it's it's a process. But it's nothing, no better feeling than when a fan retweets me and they say, this is exactly what I was feeling. I love it. You're now, you know, you're paid to do this. You, You have an employer. Do you love or hate the term influencer to describe you? That's a good question. Um, I like it because I I know because there's a negative connotation there. Right, right. I do I do like it that it that gives me kind of a, a status where I'm able to reach out to a lot of people. But I don't ever want to be. I'm not trying to influence people. I'm trying to connect with them. So kind of it's it's great that it takes me to another level. But I also want to be a part of them. I'm a fan too. At the end of the day, I'm just trying to relate all of them. So I yeah I wouldn't say influencer. I guess would be my title. But people have been saying NFL meeting girl. I like that. Oh. I'm good at that. I'm NFL meeting girl. So. so um, <laughs> In your, one of your latest videos, you've got a lot of you know guest appearances from different fan bases. How do you choose the people in your video? Are these legitimate fans of these teams? Yes. Yeah, I had. Do they apply somewhere to be in it, or are they <laughs> well, friends of yours? I, 
No, I sent out a tweet. Uh, I put on all of my social channels. I said, we, we did this last year and it went really well, so I wanted to do it again. Because since there, there was no games going on this weekend, I do like a wrap-up meeting and I have fans send in videos. And I got so many submissions of videos. I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of videos. And people said, oh, I pity the intern that goes through them all. And I'm like, you guys, I go through them all. I love your I fan videos. Intern. Yeah, I'm the intern. <laughs> what are you this, I'm on TikTok. Come on. So I, I love their fan videos. And I went through them. And I knew a couple of the people because they continuously will repost my stuff or comment and you know we have some engagement so I'll try and pick the ones that I, I know really would appreciate being involved in the video and then I just go for the the jokes that I would make you know the funny kind of content that I would see in a meeting and try and tie it all together so it was it's a good process a long one but I like how it turned out I fashioned myself a great actor can I appear in one of your future videos I'm, I'm asking right Absolutely. now okay Let's great you're Perfect. gonna be roasted but uh, just, great, I can not a great actor <laughs> I, I'm such a good actor and good with accents I can be any fan too you could just name there you go. I can there give you the Wisconsin <laughs> Accent, just whatever you need. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I think you could. I do just this need any, good direction. That's all I need. You could do this on Radio Row for radio markets. I mean, you, you can go through the the hundred or so that are in this room right now, and that everyone's got a different twist to whatever they're doing for their cover. Well, we can all. We've been doing this for over ten years, going on Radio Row, and we can walk past someone, and I'll turn to Hutton or Paul and say, "That is your stereotypical." Midwest radio host. Yeah, that is your stereotypical <laughs> northeastern Philly-based radio host. You can I can just look at them and you wild. see it right away. Yeah. So if I'm seeing it, you're going to see it quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, they I I was on one radio uh, station in San Antonio and they wanted me to roast the Cowboys and I was like, oh. It's, this is perfect. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, annihilate all of your fan base, basically. <laughs> but it was fun, and I and I told him I do that. You know, you you tell me a team, and hopefully I'll be able to roast them somehow. So were you just shopping, like when you first started doing this? Were you on NFL.com buying every uh, every team hat or or jersey, N- filling no, your closet? I, yeah. Well, I wasn't at first, um, and I, I was switching shirts inside out because I didn't have a plain orange, you know, Cincinnati Bengals shirt. So I'm switching shirts inside out, taping logos on, and then when the videos picked up traction the NFL NFL shop reached out and sent me a bunch of gear uh, and but and then I had fans reaching out to me or followers saying hey we there's something just super poetic about a Jets fan having a Jets logo just half falling off mid video it's like <laughs> yeah you know there are certain fan bases that we need to keep the original logos so I do have some that I uh, that I keep the originals there was one I promised myself I'd never buy a Chicago Bears jersey as a Packers fan I never never wanted to own one I have one now to my uh, dismay, but there are certain certain teams I'll, I'll still do the logo. Some teams I'll have the jersey. Who are the best teams on social media? Ooh, that's a Who good has, one. Who's, what franchise is the best? That's a good one. Uh, there, you know that you can just tell right away based off of the if they're doing the trendy memes and the you know yep. they, they really keep up on. The Cardinals are really good. The Cardinals have a really good one. Panthers are hilarious. Uh, Chargers have done pretty well too. But it's just the it's the sharing of the trending content. And we've, I've actually done work with the Chargers. Um, I'm going to do some stuff with the Raiders. And, and it's, it's yeah, it's just keeping it trendy. But also, I know that they can't do certain things that I can mm-hmm. do, you know, based on their, their guidelines. So I walk a fine little line there of who can I insult without insulting the entire NFL. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, amongst the players, who's, who's the best on social media? Oh, that's a good one, Maybe too. not in content, but just interaction. Um, or maybe there is some. Can I say Antonio Brown? Is that? Like yeah, I mean, he's got a whole <laughs> no, crew he, with him. That's not Kyler Murray. Obviously, we've seen that. He's yeah. the leader, <laughs> has his followers. Uh, no, I think Antonio Brown's hilarious. OBJ's funny. I, you know, LeBron. 
is hilarious on Twitter because the, he does not care what he shares. He just will share anything and everything. And it has 20,000 emojis following every, every, yeah. every. So I think that Twitter maybe even changed their word count just for him because it's, <laughs> it's obscene how many. But no, I think I think it's just the fans that consistently engage with people. I know Antonio Brown's, you know, there's a lot of issues there, but he he's he consistently posts and, and so does uh, uh, LeBron and, and OBJ. So it's the people that are constantly on that you see all the time that I like. So what's re what's on the docket for the rest of the day? Um, you editing? A lot of interviews, yeah. I'm, you know, I asked fans and followers what they wanted to see from Radio Row from the Super Bowl, and everybody wanted a behind-the-scenes kind of what it's like out here because nobody sees that side of it. Yeah. You know, they always see us on camera. So trying to give them a behind-the-scenes look and uh, throw some comedy in there somehow. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, We're guys. enjoying it. Yeah, enjoy Thank it. Eddie Agar has it. been our guest on Radio Row. When we come back, we're going to hit some headlines of the day across the NFL uh, Dr. David Chow will be with us, Pro Football Doc. That's a little bit later. Kayvon Thibodeau as well on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Glad you're with us as we broadcast from Radio Row this afternoon. Outkick 360 rolls on. Guys, in this matchup, we've got Burrow and Stafford, uh, of course, Bengals and Rams. Who is the most well-known player playing on Sunday? Who passes the grandmother test? Meaning, your grandmother would know this guy if you named him in this game. Is Grandma paid attention the last month? I think it's Odell Beckham Jr. would be my answer to that. And it's because of the highlight reel nature of his play throughout well, his career. So think about the money and the advertising dollars and the superstardom that is at stake for Burrow, for Chase, for Cooper Cup. Um, uh, Odell Beckham's already there, I agree with you. For Matthew Stafford, um, who I, I think is, is known, but uh, not to the superstar status across the league. It's a, I think it's an interesting... Um, uh, interesting puzzle. To I don't, put together. I, I don't, I don't I, think I don't, there's a, so a grandmother I, player. In let this me game. let me let me give two different answers. It's a good question, Hutton. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is the most recognizable name in this game. If I had to pick one, the person who has the most to gain and the most to lose is Matthew Stafford. And I don't. I, I think that's to me the obvious one because of where he is in his career. I think Joe Burrow just having reached this point with Cincinnati, mm -hmm. is next year's Baker Mayfield as a pitch man. And he's going to be on a bunch of commercials during games. So I don't know. Winning it would be huge in year two, obviously. But I don't know that it negatively affects him to any great extent losing this game. Oh, I agree with that entirely. Matthew Stafford's later in his nothing. career. Baker Mayfield did nothing to land uh, as a He won a Heisman. That's what he did. Man. Yeah, but did nothing you, in the you NFL. You don't value anything college, and that's the greatest award that you can have. And he was pretty good. He's a top I mean, pick. Yeah, he wasn't, some, he wasn't some, Johnny Manziel, I mean, who's who the, also had a lot who's of Who's the skinny Oklahoma quarterback that won 
a Heisman and had a retirement ceremony at training camp for the Jason White. for the Titans. I mean, he won a Heisman. He didn't get an advertising campaign. He won a Heisman, but he was not Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker Mayfield is good, and uh, he's got a good personality. That's right. why they pay him to do it. He's very good well, he's in those pick. commercials. Jason White's not a top pick in yeah, the NFL it's, draft. There, there's, it's, it's rare to find um, a great player that's got that level of on-camera charisma. There's not many. That's what, there's a reason we talk about Peyton Manning and Eli so much. It's because they were great players and they're really good on camera. And Joe Burrow, I think, has that ability. We don't know, though. Right. He hasn't done it, so but we haven't Joe really Bur- seen it. Joe, but I, I'm agreeing with your premise. Joe Burrow doesn't have to win this game to come out of it as an advertising darling if he, if he chooses to accept offers that come in front of him. Yeah, I think it's, it's Stafford has the most to gain and the most to lose. If it's just one – an individual in this game – most again, most it's Stafford at this point in his career, because this cements him with a Super Bowl win, especially in year one. Not that he's retiring after this year, but it's easy to point to Joe Burrow and say year two, he should have more opportunities. Well, I think too the mathematically he will have more. I, opportunities. I won't call it a revisionist thing, but I think people will look at Stafford and say. Oh, I wonder what he would have done if he had not been yep. trapped in Detroit for 10 for years. For sure. That too. <clears throat> and that, that is a narrative changer for a guy's career. Though I'm not positive if he plays a good game on Sunday and loses, we won't have that conversation still. And if, they, if his term in Los Angeles is good, whether he wins one or not, we may have that conversation about him career-wise. Certainly winning one takes it to a new level. All of this does. I'm not sure there's a grandma guy in this game, but I have texted my 87-year-old mother. Okay. By the end of the week, she'll tell me <laughs> who, who she thinks of okay. uh, related That's to good. this game. She's going to send you a letter in response to your text? No, she's going to wait until it gets here? She's very technologically sound. We know that. When we interviewed her on our old show, she said she chose to become technologically sound because, what did she say, Hutton? She wanted to stay in contact with her well, children. Yeah, that was the way to do it. Yeah. She had to learn how to text. Well, her first answer is Far not. be it for her son to pick up What's the phone and call. Her first answer is not good. What's she say? Uh, I think it's the Bengals and the Rams, but not that into the players like I used to be. Well, and it, it, this is the first game of, of Super Bowl since 2013 where Brady, Manning, or Mahomes is not one of the two quarterbacks. I mean, those are household names that are just not there. But I think that's what that's what's at stake. You can become a household that's name. That's what's Sunday. good about it, right? Yeah. In a lot of ways, the league is at a turning point. It's a very healthy, good yeah. turning point, and this is a flip the page kind of game. It's uh, funny that I just mentioned Peyton and Eli because we've got news from Paul's guy, Bry Stein, <clears throat> Brian Hi. Steinberg at Variety. Uh, the Manning cast has agreed to a fourth year, a contract extension now through twenty twenty four. To continue the Manning cast. This is an unnecessary extension like a college football game. Well, there, here's, there, but here's, here's, there have been rumors about them he, doing much more, including yes, UFC. Then, yeah, let me get to that because that, that's what this, this really is the announcement. They've extended one year to four years, and Omaha Productions, Peyton Manning's company, has agreed to do similar programs with U, uh, UFC, college football, and golf. For ESPN Plus. College football and golf, I'm very interested in. Those guys on UFC seems like such a mismatch to me. Hutton, the, Hutton would know. No, 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 no. They're not. It's not them. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it's, it, they're going to do similar productions with right. experts from those places. Those, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, so it'll be that. other that college football people doing the game and 
Yeah. Which is really, I mean, that, that's Using really good. Yeah. yeah. And they've got, UFC's got personalities that they can showcase. I do think, though, like they, they need to brand, it would be great to have one of the Mannings on as a guest for whatever show they do because they need to tie in to the celebrities that actually go to those pay-per-views uh, that, sink, uh, that, that sit octagon side. I mean, th- there's yeah. a lot that they have not tapped into. Uh, people have no idea, unless you're a UFC fan, that Halle Berry is a massive UFC fan. She goes to all these pay-per-views. I think that's exactly but where they, they go. they need yep. someone like that talking to all these people. Have a guest in between yes. the fights yes. to come on, a celebrity guest. But I also think Peyton and Eli lending their celebrity and yeah. their voice starting this to maybe in the first broadcast. You got Eli, who's got Eli's places now that's all about college football. He does the first college football broadcast as a guest. Yeah. Peyton does something similar. Uh, I think it's very clever that they find a niche and now expand it. And, look, college football, whoever you're doing, whatever you're doing, this could be game by game. And and who was pitching? Uh, Lane Kiffin was pitching uh, Eli and Peyton doing the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. Uh, You know, that would have been very self-serving for him, obviously, and with Arch Manning out there and everything. Would have been would have been fascinating, and having you know that would have been a perfect one. But you could find some rival matchups like that yeah. with with the current or or uh, uh, NFL alumni with their alma maters who would be fascinating to listen to during a college football. Game. Absolutely, uh, you know, players bet all the time. You see guys wearing jerseys of of mismatched teams. But I think what's lost. important, though, Paul, is you have to get the people with chemistry. Yeah, the right people. But it's not just the right people. It's got to be right the right people who can joke Bam. with each other that have done it before. Right. So, they, I mean, you almost you got brothers doing it now, and it's perfect. But you almost have to have that prior relationship to do it. So it's an idea with legs, but to me, it is unwatchable if you get the wrong two people doing it. Yeah. No, I, but I, who would be better at finding the right two people than, yeah. than Eli and Peyton? I think they have a great sense of that as the heads of it. Coming up in the final hour, we've got Dr. David Chow from OutKick and uh, Pro Football Doc. Uh, he will be with us to kick off hour number three. We'll go in to detail of a few of the injuries uh, to just keep an eye on for players coming off injuries, trying to play in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, we'll take a look around the league as well. There is some discussion about changing special teams rules this offseason even more due to the percentage of injuries that happen on those limited plays. We'll get... Dr. Chow's reaction to that and what can be done when they've done a lot already to that side of the football. We'll start there next. From Radio Row, this is Outkick 360.